Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning once again, everybody, and thank you for joining us uh, here on the Women of Golf Show. I, again, I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are we today? We are doing really well uh, for two reasons, um, namely our guests. Uh, we're going to be joined here in just a second. Uh, we were just talking with her off air. Sarah White, of course, the winner of this past weekend's uh, Symmetra Tour event, the Founders Tribute, and lots of firsts, and we'll talk about that when we bring her out. Uh, and then a little bit later on, uh, we're welcoming back uh, uh, Louise Ball, who is an LPGA professional and owner and director of TN Golf Academy. Uh, she'll be joining us on the second half. Um, just uh, a really, really great show this morning, so we're glad everybody's tuning in. And let me just tell you a little bit about our first guest, and then we'll bring her on. Uh, Sarah, she turned professional this past January. Uh, she is a native of Grand Rapids, Michigan, and has appeared on the ABC reality television series, Holy Moly. Uh, we got to talk, talk to her about that. Uh, she played Division One. Uh, uh, she was a state uh, championship medalist for East Kenwood High School. Uh, she also started goaltender for two seasons on their varsity hockey uh, team. Uh, attended the uh, Western Michigan University before transferring to Texas State University. Earned uh, three top five finishes uh, for the Bobcats in 27 events played. Um, let's welcome Cindy, our very special guest this morning, the winner of the Founders Tribute, Sarah White. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? We're doing great. Wow. You are unbelievable. Um, <laughs> So our, just to get our listeners up to speed here, so Sarah White turned pro in January of 2020, had, had played on a mini tour, the All-Pro Tour, got an exemption into the Symmetra Tour event, not even a member of the tour, and wins it. Tell us. Yes. <laughs> what, what's that? <laughs> you know, thanks so much. And I just went to look at... At your bio on the on the Symmetra tour, it says tournaments one, results number one. <laughs> I don't know that that's ever really happened, right? Um, I'd have to do some more research, but I I'm not sure if that's happened before. And did you get to stay at home? Were you so close to the tournament that you got to stay at your house? Uh, no, ma'am. So the Founders Tribute, the Founders Tribute was in Mesa, Arizona. Um, oh, okay. So that was that was last week. The unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, but fortunately, I didn't play in the one in Michigan. But you know, everything happens for a reason. So the one in Mesa was my one and only. Holy but the one cow. in Michigan, yeah, the one in Michigan is only forty-five minutes from my house, actually. Well, you'll be there next year, won't you? <laughs> I will be there unless, next year. Unless you're on the LPGA Tour playing there. So let me ask you this. Well, I have to, were you in the last group? The last yes, day? ma'am. I was in the last group. Yeah, so I was I was one back from the And you birdied the last the hole. Last I did. I, I birdied the last hole. I had to make a five-footer. I made a sand state up and down on a par five. Get out of town. How scared were you? Um, I'm not I wasn't scared at all. I was I was more excited and those are the moments you live for. So right? I yeah, the night before I I vividly remember dreaming of making a pot on the last hole and winning it all. Um so that's just 
I've had it in my mind that I could do it, and I didn't have any doubts when I was standing over the putt. I was more excited than anything else because that those are, again, the moments you live for and what you what you hope to do, you know, come and clutch in those last putts for five foot, and I did. Holy cow, there's not, there's not even any stats on you. So what's the best part of your game? Yeah. Uh, I hit the ball. I hit the ball fairly far for a female. I think it was all those years of hockey training, and I also work well, not so much anymore. But out of college, I had a golf, fitness, and speed training job. So that's out of San Antonio called Mockery Speed Training, which you train to gain clubhead speed. So I always hit it pretty far, but I gained about six mile an hour and my driving stats um the past two days were over 300 yards what wow. i mean yeah so arizona <laughs> heating some roll and everything but my track band numbers are right around 107 miles an hour 160 ball speed um oh my you know, god carry you about 65 to 70 <laughs> oh yeah my god. Oh, Sarah, but this is just say, so awesome. I mean, yeah, driving's the the best part of my game, but I made 10 birdies the second day. You know, obviously my putting doesn't suck either. So, <laughs> I, I, it was, I don't know. I, I'm playing really well right now, and I have been absolutely grinding and practicing my heart out so it was really rewarding to win because I knew I could do it for so long and it just all came together congratulations that's awesome thank you Ted go yeah, ahead thank you well I uh, I gotta say after hearing some of those stats uh, I think I need to Cindy let you finish the interview and I'm gonna go out and practice my game because I'm not hitting it 300 <laughs> yards and uh I'm six foot four and about 200 pounds, and uh, I used to be able to crank it out there pretty good, but uh, you, you just put me to shame. Um, let me ask you something. I, I was looking through some of the notes here, and, and again, congratulations, Sarah, on a, a well-deserved win, and, and uh, obviously, as, that, as Disney always says, dreams do come true. Um, yes, they do. What's interesting, yeah, what's interesting is um, you've been dreaming about being a professional golfer since five um yes what's what sort of spurred that i mean do you come kind of from a golfing family um i mean that's an unusual dream for somebody that young you know usually you know little boys and girls are are dreaming about being you know this that or the other but very few unless they come from a golfing background think i want to grow up and be a professional golfer so tell us how that that sort of dream came about you think so no one in my family played golf other than my older brother, he, you know, I was for sure 100% that annoying little sister that would, you know, copy everything that my big brother did, my big brother and my big sister. So my brother went to this golfing camp. I don't know. She was seven or something. And I was four or five and he really liked it. And then he started getting swing lessons. So I went to one of them and was like, I want to play golf. I want to be like my brother. Um, That's how he actually got me into hockey as well as he started and I was like I want to be like my brother so he was really the only golfer in the family and he was on the bag this week which was truly special for me um and for my brother he's kind of chiming in (laughs) but it was so he started into golf and when I started I I started playing tournaments around the age of seven and both when I was like five I was like I want to be a professional hockey player and a professional golfer in the summers well one of those (laughs) didn't work out very well but uh, I I had a little bit more talent and room to grow I think in hockey because I did play boys hockey my entire life so Mm -hmm. so from boys hockey going to girls hockey uh, I would have to play in college and I just you know I was more more for going into golf and I had a better opportunity, but so just, I just had that dream and I had that drive and I don't know. I think my brother was a big part of it. You know, I would 
he plays professional golf actually as well. So he's on the PG Tour Latin mm-hmm. America. And so when oh, okay. he he actually won in the desert last last year or two years ago, he won the Nevada Open. And so we both play desert golf pretty well. And he was just telling me about his experiences and he was just always encouraging me throughout the years. And that really helped. Very good. Always nice to have a, yeah, that's a great story. Um, So do you guys, when you have the opportunity, because obviously you're both out competing and things like that. Do you both you and your brother get a chance to play together from time to time, just some practice rounds, uh, for fun or, or what have you, or are you both kind of competitive when you get together? Well, well, we will never not be competitive. You know, when we're playing against each other, we'll play for, well, now we can play for money, but you know, back in the day we would just <laughs> do for soda or pop or, you know, we would always, hmm. for some reason, we would always joke when my parents went out, you know, on a date night, it was me, my brother, my sister, we'd always be like, I'm first in charge. No, I'm first in charge, so we could play for that, you know, stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. we play together as much as we can, I think, because he he resides in Houston area, and I'm in San Antonio. We can play a little bit more, but when he was in Florida, I was in Texas, or I was, you know, it was hard, but we'll play right. together, we practice together, we help each other, we send swing videos back and forth, and yeah, it's really good. So as you were coming up through the ranks as a player, um, what was your, um, I guess for lack of better words, what was your, your Achilles heel? What was the area of your game that you struggled with most to get to where you are now? And what lessons did you learn during that process and, and getting those um let me see if I can rephrase this so it makes sense. Um, what first off, what areas did you struggle most with uh, as a younger player, and what do you think that you learned developing your game that would definitely help amateurs out there? So putting was my Achilles heel for sure, one hundred percent. Honestly, up until about February of this past year. I struggled with putting like it was nobody's business. I could go out and shoot a 73 with 39 putts. Um, it was mm. it was very frustrating because I knew I could do it and I just wasn't executing. I didn't know if it was, you know, at, at some point you're like, is it the stroke? Is it me? Is it the putter? You know, there was so many different factors and my swing coach right now him and I we just completely cleared my mind of everything and he said for eight weeks straight I don't want you to line up your putts I want you to look at the hole do a couple practice strokes and then putt all you're focusing on is speed doesn't matter line doesn't matter where it starts doesn't matter anything else all you have to worry about is speed I did that for eight weeks straight I went on the putting green did not line up a single putt I was just out there doing speed drills, not even drills. I was just putting around, you know, the, for amateur players and people looking to get better, you have to remember there's a balance between playing and practicing like block practice didn't do me any good. I had to go out and I had to, you know, play around. I had to be creative. I had to do a ton of different things. And so that was, my turning point for me was just focusing on the speed of the putts. And then from focusing on the speed, my um, setup got better. My club path or my putter path got better. My, you know, face angle, everything that you could say technical got better from focusing on one thing. So it could be as simple as that, but that's one thing that I, I mean, my first pro event in January, I took a top five, but in three rounds, I had eight three putts and I lost by six. Mm. So let me ask you a question. To put that into perspective, have yeah, you ever been that makes sense. tested? I got to ask a question. Have you ever been tested to find out if you if you see linear lines or nonlinear lines? I have not. I I well, have not you are ever definitely not. That. Yeah, you you're so. 
My husband played on the PGA Tour for 15 years, and he was the second purest mm-hmm. ball striker Dave Pels ever tested. And Dave Pels was always trying to help Alan with his putting. And it, and he he didn't three-putt a lot, but he didn't make all the 20-footers because he hit so many greens. Yeah. And so what he found, what we found out like 25 years later from a guy by the name of Mike Shannon, we went to get tested, and our son played at Augusta State. So, I mean, okay. we're like a family of golfers, right? And so um, you might want to mute yourself at the background. Somebody's in the background talking. Yeah, um, we did anyway. the golf course. Someone's yelling. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, we got tested, and it, it's how your eyes see lines. And some people okay. are linear, and some people are nonlinear. So let's pretend we got a huge putt that breaks from right to left, and you're on the side of a mm-hmm. hill. And you're going to plop a clock down on the hole straight in front of you. And if mm-hmm. the ball breaks a lot from right to left, the ball's going to fall at the hole at 3 o'clock. You follow right. me? So yep. you're always looking at 3 o'clock. You're never aiming like two cups outside the right side of the hole. You're never doing mm-hmm. that because nonlinear people will miss every putt if they look at a spot outside the hole. But when you're nonlinear oh. and you look at the clock, all balls are going in the hole. I'm telling you what, if you do that, that's why you're putting so much better. Because he allowed you to be right-brained. You are absolutely nonlinear, so never use lines again, ever. Yeah. Always yeah. look at so, where you want the ball to end up, and it'll go right in the hole. Okay. That's some great advice. I had no idea, but that's some really good information. And I think I just did that very indirectly. Well, and that's the point, because left-brain anal people that love block practice and are always looking at numbers are going to make you feel like, oh, my God, you can't do that. You can't, that's too, you know, dumb, blonde, right brain. And it's like, no, 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 it's the only way you can play. Do not let anyone yeah. sway you. Okay, I won't. Thank you so much. Yep. So, Sarah, let me ask you um, – you're getting ready to play in your next event and obviously you're riding off a a high if you will from being successful in last weekend's event so what is going to be your game plan coming into this event so my game plan coming into this event is about the same as last week so it's just trusting the process and getting out there getting a feel for the course and taking it one shot at a time you know I it's we're back at zero dollars, you know, so I'm still out here trying to prove to myself prove, you know, that I can do this. I can be out here and I compete with the best of the best. So that's that's what I got to do. Just take it one shot at a time and take it as this course comes. You know, I'm standing out at the golf course right now and it is a whole new ball field than last week. You tell you that. Mm hmm. Let me ask you another question. We had another player on, I'm uh, not sure if it was last week or the week before, and her, her focus is she wants to be number one. That's what her primary goal is. I want to be number one. And that's what her, her – now, obviously, she has little goals and, and hurdles along the way, but that's, that's the prize that she has her eye on. Do you have a similar goal in mind? Because not everybody's in that same uh. category. I mean, obviously – It'd be great if you got to number one, but is that a priority for you to get to number one, or do you have other goals and ambitions? So, I think any professional golfers want to be number one all the time, but I think for me, my number one goal is to play the best that I can and the and doing what I know I can do best, and I think the results will take care of itself. Um, if I end mm-hmm. up number one, that's going to be amazing. And I think I can do it, and I want to do it. But if I go out and play, you know, the best golf I can every tournament and end up second, I mean, the other girl, you know, it was either her year, and she played really well. She did everything that she needed to do. I I did everything I needed to do, but there's always next year. You know, there's always something that you can do. But if I keep playing as best as I can and doing what I know I do best, I don't think that being number one is going to be – like a far-fetched dream. Right. Right, exactly. Um, let me ask you another question, and I know you've um, 
played a lot of golf. This is obviously um, you're just sort of getting out on the Symmetra now. Um, but through other tournament play, uh, obviously everything doesn't always go the way uh, it's planned. So it's sort of a two-part question. Um, first, mm-hmm. when when the wheels, as they say, sort of fall off the bus, in other words, you're out there, you're not playing well, what do you say to yourself in, in, the, in the moment to bring yourself back to focusing on what needs to happen? In other words, when things are not going, maybe you've strung together a few bad holes or what have you, what's the, what, what do you say to yourself to get you back on track? And who is the first person, when, obviously when it's appropriate timing, who's the first person that you call or reach out to um, for that soft place to land? So if things aren't going my way, I try and just simplify. I might, I mean, my game plan is pretty simple anyway, but I try and think of what my miss is, and I play mm-hmm. to either play it or I just try and simplify and be like, I need to get this in the fairway. I have to, you know, if I'm not hitting my driver well, I'll move to three-wood or hybrid or something that can get in play because if you're in play, that's half the battle. So I think just simplifying it to the point of, like, I need to get this in play, whether that's a four-iron off the tee, I'm hitting a fade, so I'm just going to aim down the left side. You know, you can't – and you, if you're in the middle mm-hmm. of a tournament, you can't be going into swing-fix-it mode. You have to be able to right. somehow <laughs> get a par. You know, like, you can't be like, oh, gosh, I'm going over the top today in the middle of, like, you're one over through ten. Right and the projected cuts minus one, like, you got to play that. You got to play over the top. You got to hit, like, a punch shot. You got to do something to get to that cut line, you know, whatever that may be. fairway finder. (laughs) Yeah, fairway finder. You have to – and then figure figure out your demons after the round, you know. There is Mm -hmm. plenty of time for you to go hit on the range, Um, but the Mm – person I call is my swing coach. His name is Craig Piscopink in Michigan or my, or my brother, you know, he'll, he'll be on that. He'll be that second call (laughs) for Mm -hmm. sure. So I think it's just, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, everyone has those days and you're just going to have to find a way to play. Like you're playing bad, but you got to play, you got to score, you know, I don't care how ugly it is. If I get the ball in the hole with a par, then I'll be all right. Par birdie. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just add one thought and then Cindy, I'll, I'll let you carry on your answer. Um, and I'm obviously talking about the first part of your answer um, while you're on mm-hmm. the golf course mm-hmm. is spot on. And, and that is the primary difference between a professional like yourself and the 24 or 25 million plus amateurs who play this game is the fact that they try to fix their swing. They try to make drastic changes where out there, whereas professionals will play with what they've got. And then after the round, they'll go and work on or get out the bugs or kinks or whatever. That is the, um, I believe the primary difference um, of why people succeed in, in the professional circuit and why amateurs struggle so much is because they don't understand that you have to do just that, what you explained. And I think that was yeah. very well said. I think this, and, and that, in my opinion, I, Cindy, you probably would agree. This young lady is going to be a player. This young lady is going to be a really good player. <laughs> yeah. You've got a great attitude and you know exactly what you need to do out in the golf course, work with whatever you brought to the golf course that day, make whatever uh, changes or adjustments you need after the round. Don't do it mid round because that's when everything really goes uh, south. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, what's your brother's name? His name's Brett, Brett White. And where did he go to school? He went to Eastern Michigan. Awesome. Let me ask you this. What makes you um, so competitive and so driven to be so good it's so many sports. Um, I think just being 
my whole entire family, I think my my dad played two sports in college. My mom actually, my mom actually played hockey, and my sister played some sports as well. I think it's just kind of the culture that we grew up in. My dad was a weightlifting and phys ed teacher. Uh, he was a coach. I think we were just always into sports, and I think that's just my nature is to be. I don't believe that you should do something, you know. I don't want. I have to think of a PG way to say this. Half half-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that if you're not, yeah. I don't think that you should do something if you don't want to work for it or if you don't think that you can put the time in. I mean, to be a professional golfer, you know, I've put in sixty, seventy-hour weeks uh, on the golf course and putting and practicing and weight training, you know, eating right. And if you don't want to do that, I think, but there is a balance. And that's one thing that I think I have found as well is finding a balance between, I like to say like real life and pro life, you know, like I still have friends. I'll I'll go out. My brother and I had a couple beverages after we won, you know, there's a, there's a balance for sure. And you have to find it, but you also, you have to put the time in, you know, there is, I don't think there's a doubt in anybody's mind that all these pro golfers can do it, but I don't know. I think that's just me is I will never do something half-hearted. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, how about all the girls? Are they all like, were they shocked that you won? Uh, I, I want to say that they were probably pretty shocked. I only knew about, gosh, a handful of girls in this, tournament in this last tournament I knew just a couple from college um I knew a couple actually working with Mach 3 speed training we had six girls that did Mach 3 speed training and was in this past event so I knew them from actually training them um and then uh other than that it was like oh hey you're new and I was like hi nice to meet (laughs) you I just love this story. It's like, hi, I'm here all week. See ya. I'll, in fact, oh, I'm here all here now. See you later. <laughs> yeah. I just love I've it. Had a no, few girls, the- I, I did have a few girls reach out to me via Instagram um, and some other platforms that were like, hey, I just saw you on the putting green. I wanted to let you know congratulations, and we'll see you around and, you know, stuff like oh, that. Well, that's so nice. I, Good. So then I yeah. have breath. No, and well, I'm sure I'll make fast friends. I'm. It's not hard for me to spark up a conversation with like a bush or something, but. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. Good to know. Oh my God, I'm yeah. so proud of you. This is just so cool. But let me ask you yeah, something. Is... Why are you not listed on the money list? Because you won the money before you were a member. Yeah. So as a non-member, yeah. and. I was a non-member, you know, nothing like that. I got a tournament exemption. I will not be counted toward the race to the card. So I would be third right now, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm back at zero. So I, Brett and I well, celebrated you did get the, the money, win, though, right? and I did get the money. Um, but we're back at zero. I'm out putting right now. You're in my, my AirPods. So I'm just out here <laughs> putting some work in and, yeah, I got an early tea time. I had to get okay. – so what's funny is I wasn't – I was obviously wasn't supposed to be playing this week because I had to win <laughs> to play. So I have to isolate myself because I got COVID tested for – on Sunday because the, all the other girls went a couple days beforehand to that knew they were playing in this. And then – after I won, they were like, do you want to play next week? And I'm like, yeah. And then they were like, do you want to accept membership? And I was like, yep. And then they're like, okay, after the ceremony, you have to uh, you have to go and then get COVID tested, and then you have to isolate yourself next week until we get the results. So Brett and I got up at about 5.15 this morning, and we're waiting to go off at, I think, 7 in Pacific mm. time. So... Wow. Where in California are you? We're in Beaumont, California. It's just south of St. Bernardino. Like uh, 70 miles east of 
70 miles yep. east of L.A. Okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Very good. Awesome. Well, Sarah, oh, we're going to let you continue. Honey, you're my new BFF. Yep. I'm going to haunt you. I'm going to haunt you. And you know what? If you have issues <laughs> with that putting and you want yep. to, um, I'll make you a video. And if, okay. if you're open to it, let me um, tell the, the Symmetra guy, whoever's hook this up to send me your email address and I'll explain this linear, nonlinear, and that's the way the rest of your life's going to work. And then you're going to be the number one player in the world and, and you can do that. So kudos to you. Congratulations. All right. Great job. Well, thank you. Yeah, it, definitely. Yeah. Ass. Thank you. I will. Yep. So it is, it, it is yeah. okay to say ass on, on radio. Well, <laughs> sure. Of course. Listen, nowadays right. you can do just about anything. Well, Sarah, listen, we're going to let you oh, go because we know you've got to practice, get ready for, for this. But uh, if you win this week, we'll talk to you next Tuesday on the show. So how's that? All right. Well, so I get out there and win. It gives you a reason to come back. <laughs> All right. Yes, it does. Thank honey. you very much, Sarah. Bye. All right. Congratulations Thank you so again. Much Good luck, honey. honey. Thank you. Thank All right. you. All right. That was Sarah White, uh, winner of this past weekend's Founders uh, Tribute and uh, her first win. What an incredible story, Cindy. I mean, that's just an, an amazing. How just cool to, is that? Yeah. I mean, just to turn pro and, and then come right out of the gate in your first event as a non-member of the tour to win the event, get automatic uh, membership. Um, I mean, it's it's regrettable, but I understand why they do it. It's regrettable that she doesn't get counted in the money list yet. Uh, and that's why I was saying earlier in, in the beginning of the segment that uh, she would have been in third spot, as she just pointed out, uh, had she been able to be counted. So, But uh, it's it's giving her momentum in this week, and uh, I, she's just got such a great attitude. And um, uh, I hope I, I think she's going to do very well through the rest of the season. She's just got great attitude. She just got, um, you know, as she pointed out earlier, she knows what to do in the moment, as she as she pointed out, you know, in, in a round, if things are not running as smoothly as she likes, she's not going to mess around with it. She's going to play with what she's got, and then she'll worry about it after the round and deal with it with her coach and so forth. But, all right, let's bring our next guest out, uh, Louise Ball. Uh, she's a 20-year member of the LPGA's Teaching and Club Professional Division, uh, currently resides in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, with her husband, Tom, and their two Basset Hounds. Uh, she's also the owner of uh, TN Golf Academy, where she teaches private and group lessons to uh, both men and women of all ages and all abilities. And she's also a site director uh, for the LPGA's uh, USGA Girls Golf of Eastern Tennessee and runs her club's youth golf program. Uh, let's welcome her back on the show, uh, our very special guest, Cindy Louise Ball. Good morning, my friend. Good morning, Cindy Miller. Miller time. Did you hear <laughs> that last interview? I heard the end of it, and I'm sorry I missed the beginning of it. Wow. Oh, my God. How cool is that? I want to, I want to know her. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. What yeah. a great. I wonder, how often, yeah. I wonder how often that has happened. You Not know? much, I don't think. I don't think right? much. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very, uh, un- yeah, very unusual. And you know and what, just, what made me happy was hearing that some of the girls have reached out to her already, you know, because that can be, that's so important just to feel oh, like, okay, I've won. Yeah, part mm-hmm. of the group, you know, that's so important, I yeah. think, especially for for women. Earned the right. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, Neat. you know, it, anyway. it's nice too because, as you know, if you've played on tour, you know it can be very lonely a lot of times out there as well, so... You know, it's important yeah. not only that you want to play well, but you want to, you know, have a little camaraderie as well and a lot of, you know, make some friends out there. And uh, it's not easy when, especially for these young girls that are, you know, don't have the benefit of flying here and there. They're driving pretty much from core, uh, from tournament to tournament. So there are a lot of times, some of them might carpool, but a lot of them are on their own. And it's a very, can be very lonely at times. So you need to have some friends that you can communicate with uh, that can relate to what you're doing. So, um, Cindy, you go ahead and start off with yeah. uh, Louise, and then I'll I'll pick up. I'm still in awe about Sarah White. Uh, so, hi, honey. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I know. It's a tough act to follow. Ask me something that makes me sound important, Cindy. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
what are you doing? Are you up to speed? Are you teaching? What's going on? Because you are like the junior yeah. golf queen of the world. Well, yes, thank you. I I feel like I'm up to speed. Um, I've switched locations this year, so it's uh, it's been kind of a fresh new start. Um, you know, when life hands you lemon, lemons, you make lemonade. So um, our club was purchased by a private company, and um, I guess they didn't need me anymore. So I looked elsewhere, and I have found the perfect spot. So I'm super happy. Really? From a, a, yes, gone from a private club to a public facility that is so busy, I can't even tell you. So it's really been a So blessing. it's a blessing. It is. <laughs> it really is. Oh, that's you know, awesome. With the whole yeah, with this whole, I don't even know what to call it anymore. I guess I'll just call it the global pandemic because it is. Um, you know, golf has survived in our area. We haven't had here in East Tennessee um, a really bad uh, time with it, which has been nice. So we've been open all along, um, you know, with precautions, of course. Um, but but golf's been booming here. So, I mean, the range at night, there's 35 people on our driving range every night. I mean, it's it's crazy. So, plenty to do. Mm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome, And lots, awesome. Of, and lots what of new customers for me, you know, because it's a new spot for me. And it's only 10 minutes from where I was, so everybody knows me. But it's a whole new, <laughs> a whole new group of people. So, I've been, been a public person my whole life, so. Yeah, uh, you know what? I didn't realize I missed it, but I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I love public. So talk to us about the kids. What are you doing with all the kids? You still got girls golf going on and all the. Um, you know, I, I I took a little break from girls golf this year, um, just because of the new location and then with the pandemic, you know, we didn't really get started right away. So I thought, you know what? Sometimes you just need a little break. Um, I've done my junior camps. And those those were great this year, and, and the kids wore their masks when we were in the golf cart, and, you know, everybody still had fun. Um, you know, it was great to, to kind of get my group a little bit smaller again. Last The last few years at the country club, I had over 50 kids. Um, so I had mm. smaller camps this year. I had groups of eight, and I just did more more weeks. Um, and it worked out really well, so... So that's what we're doing, and then we're uh, we're on break right now. The kids are going back to school, so I'm going to start, I think, a fall league and get them out and get them playing on the golf course. So perfect. Yeah. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Ted, go ahead. Um, Louise, let me ask you um, just something you said a few minutes ago about you know the range being really busy, you know, throughout the day, and just you know incredible volumes. Obviously, as you pointed out, this pandemic has not hurt golf as it has many other areas in the same, certainly, uh, I would say, in in probably 99.9% of the country. Um, Are you seeing a lot of, um, and I know you're at a new facility, so obviously it's going to be new to you anyways, but are you seeing a lot Mm -hmm. of new first-time golfers coming out that, you know, because of the pandemic, they can't do a lot of other things, so they're saying, you know, what the heck, let's get out and give golf a try, and if so... What do you think you can do to entice them to, hey, um, this isn't just a pandemic alternative. This is an opportunity to turn them into lifelong golfers. Yeah, good question. I I feel that definitely has happened, um, not only with adults, but with kids too. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think at, at our facility, we have a lot of, people that are just trying to figure out if they want to be golfers or not. So that's, I'd say half of our range kind of looks like that. Like you see friends helping friends, you know, learn the swing, which is, which is always interesting. Um, And then I walk up Mm -hmm. and give them my card. No, just kidding. (laughs) But um, (laughs) you have a lot of that. And then with the kids we have, I have several uh, boys, especially where the younger brother might play a different sport other than golf but they haven't been able to do anything. So now all of a sudden little brother's like, oh, okay, I want to do something, you know, and so these other kids are starting to take up the game because the sibling is doing it because uh, they can't right. go to baseball practice and then soccer has been canceled and all the other stuff, they haven't been able to do anything. So that's been pretty neat, actually, a cool part of it. Yeah, and I think it's a real opportunity for golf um, 
you know, out of a difficult situation for everybody, this is a real opportunity to expose the game. Because, you know, one of the disadvantages of golf, unlike many other sports, is it's not very well entrenched in school in, in the junior levels. Uh, I mean, it isn't really until high right. school and, and then, of course, collegiate that we see golf, unlike many of other sports. So there's a lot of kids that their only exposure to golf, unless they're in a golfing family, is what they see on television. Of course, you know, they're seeing um, the PGA guys, they're seeing the LPGA gals, um, but they're not really seeing it in their own, you know, close, intimate circles. So this is an opportunity right. to really open up, uh, you know, to um, a whole brand new crop of of kids and adults that have never been exposed to the game before. Um so what do you think as a general overall, um, I guess, consensus, what do you think the golf industry should really do? How should we capitalize on this um, sort of new um, exposure? How should we handle this, do you think? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the LPGA has has done a great job with the Invite Her movement and – you know, people just want to be invited or asked or welcomed in, as, as Sarah kind of alluded to. That was one of the, it sounds like one of maybe the highlights of the aftermath of what she did was, you know, people recognized her, said, hey, nice job, things like that. So, you know, just getting people to come to the golf course, um, you know, it can be really intimidating because I think most people that don't know about golf think you have to be good at it before you can go on the golf course, which is not the case. Right. You know, you need to go with somebody that can guide you. But, you know, start at the 100-yard marker. You know, I think that's where Operation 36 does a nice job is they start at the green and they go backwards. So you can kind of get comfortable out there. And, you know, who wants to go to the driving range and never take it to the golf course where that's actually the end result? You know, what we're trying to get to is just get more golfers out there. So I think, you know, just inviting people – I think people like group classes. It's less intimidating, so offering more things like that, offering some women-only um, classes, and I think ladies are, are a little bit more comfortable with that at first. And then, you know, there's a lot of singles who can meet people through golf, so why not have some? Right. We do some clinics uh, that are called Clinics with a Twist, and it's an hour long, and we have a cocktail, a signature cocktail, and we play music, and it's for men and women. So it's kind of like a party festive atmosphere. But, oh, hey, by the mm-hmm. way, you know, here's how you swing the club. Here's how you hold the putter. You know, and it, and it just, it's a great way to do it. Yeah, it's a great, you know, golf can be a great social um, thing. You're exactly right. I mean, there's a lot of different things that you can do to that. And, um, you know, just to go back, you know, to your point, you don't have to. Everybody thinks you've well. I've I've got to you know. I, I want to look good. Especially women have. I think struggle with this more so than men. Men they get out there, they'll swing and chop and do whatever. They don't really care. Right. But women they don't <laughs> want to embarrass themselves. And and you know I I used to consider myself a pretty you know pretty decent golfer in all my time until we had Sarah on this morning and I heard some of her stats and her abilities and <laughs> now I'm not so sure. But um, right. but you know <laughs> all kidding aside. But. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you're right. You don't have to be perfect out there. And it's just let's get them introduced to the game and then sort of let nature take its course. Give them, you know, some introductory lessons. Let them understand a little bit um, about what needs to happen. And then just let them naturally develop their swing and and help nurture them along the way. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit because one of the things I didn't mention in it, and I know you talked about it a little bit last time you were on, uh, is um, I'm assuming you're still – volunteering with the special olympics in tennessee yes yes i am tell us a little bit about that how's that been been going well that's been a um you know that's been a kind of a sad thing for me this year because those kids um they're they're just they're pretty isolated right now you know for good reason because of you know the the fears with if, if they contract the COVID-19, it, it could be way worse than one of us getting it. So we haven't done right. anything in person. Um, we've had a few, you know, phone calls, and, and we've we've put up pictures and sent pictures to each other and things like that. But we're hoping to, um, you know, hopefully maybe we might try to do a small group this fall. Um, the mm-hmm. parents have been just a little bit leery, so we haven't really been doing anything in person, which has been a bummer for me because that's 
that's really the highlight of my week. So um, that's kind of taking a back seat for now, um, unfortunately. So. Yeah, but as you said, but for I good reason, though. I think our athletes are I mean, still out golfing. Yeah, some of them are out yep. playing, so that's good, you know, with their family. So that that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, no, that's right. And and it'll come around. I mean, once once things, you know, sort of the veil gets lifted a little bit more and, and parents feel yeah. more comfortable, then they're going to reengage into some of these different programs and that. And just one other quick thing, and Cindy, I'll hand it back to you, is um, uh, give us an update on the Belly Rubs Bassett Rescue. I love that. <laughs> I know. Uh, you know what? Belly Rubs is alive and well. Um, we keep <laughs> saving lots of hounds. We actually uh, – we lost two of our girls last year. They were old, so it was just their time. Uh, they were both about 15. So uh, we were going to wait a little bit to adopt some new ones, but then the pandemic hit, and we were sitting at home looking at each other. And, you know, when you don't have kids at home, you need something else to take right. care of other than your husband So and vice versa for him. <laughs> so um, we adopted two new Bassets. We have an 11-year-old named Jesse and a 5-year-old named Nellie, and they're both doing great. They get along great, and I think everybody needs to rescue at least one dog in their life. Yeah, so they're doing well. The, the, the rescue's doing well. Um, you know, this has been a really good time for rescue, actually, because a lot of people have kind of been like we are. They need something to do. Right. So a lot of uh, the adoptions have been up, which has been great, and that, of course, is a revenue source for the for the rescue um so and we've been doing some online uh auctions and things like that so people are getting creative and uh still raising money so it's going well and thanks for asking about that i i really love that uh group not a problem and you know it's great even mm-hmm. you know just one last point then cindy like i said i'll pass over to you but you know even though we're, we're all kind of going through a difficult time it's just amazing the creativity that comes out of this. People will find a way to continue on doing things, even if they're isolated at home or, you know, or, or in some situation where they can't get out and do what they normally do. Um, they will find a way to, you know, further their cause or, or what have you. So I think that's great. And, and uh, um, uh, it's great that you and your husband um, are helping out as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Yeah. So let me ask you, what do you yes. love best about teaching? Ooh, um, you know that that has changed over the years. Uh, I think I think relationships have always been one of the things, but I'd say that's that's gotten higher on my list. Um, and then just of course your student successes, and that can, as you know, Cindy can look like absolutely anything. So. Um, you know, a lot of people come to the game and they want to get good at it and become competitive, and other people just come to the game because they, they want to hang out with their friends, they want something to do, maybe all their kids are gone. You know, I just started teaching a lady this spring. Um, she's 70, and she's done a lot of mission work. She raised six children. Her husband's a doctor, and they're both retired now, and she's like, you know, her kids are all grown. She's like, I need to do something. And also she just got diagnosed with Parkinson's, and her doctor, I think, wanted her to, to to try to find a new activity. So she does a lot of yoga and things like that. And she absolutely has been bitten by the golf bug, and it's it's so awesome. She's getting fitted today for a brand-new set of pings, and she's all in 100%. And that makes me That's happy. That's awesome, right? Yeah. How awesome is she that? Just, she just booked a trip to Pinehurst. So she said, where should I go? They were supposed to go on, they're, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary um, in September, and they were supposed to go to Cabo. So, of course, they're not going to fly anywhere. So I said, you guys need to hop in the car and go to Pinehurst. So she's booked her trip. She's staying at the Carolina. She's playing number two. I mean, this this lady is just, she's on fire, you know. And it's, it's all, all because wow. of golf. It's all because of golf. And I just, that brings me the most joy, I think, seeing something like that. How Absolutely about for you? Absolutely agree. What's your favorite thing? We give hope. We give hope. Yeah. And yeah. and again, it doesn't matter how old they are, right? Yeah. I got a woman that, you know, basically almost cried. She's like, oh, my God. And 
and she's old. I don't know how old, but old. And I'm old. She's really old, right? And and so again, it's just you know you don't have to suck. You can be better. Right. So that's yeah. that's what we do. We give hope to those who don't think there is any. I agree with you, and I think you know that's just good for people to you know if they don't have a a good experience maybe with their first teacher that they keep trying because you know you don't click with everybody and I feel like you know for me I'm going to find that one thing that I'm going to have in common with that person so that their experience is as positive as it can be absolutely absolutely again and I think that um, one of the things about playing the game of golf you miss it far more than you hit it good and so yep. almost everyone that's ever tried it has had a bad experience. So sure. I believe it's my job to give them a good one. So right. that's what it's all about to me. Is You know, you may not hit it perfect, but you're going to have fun and you're going to learn how to fix what you're doing. Right. Yeah, perfect. Ted, I what agree. about you? I couldn't agree more. And and let me ask. I'm going to ask both of you. Obviously, Louise, you go first as our guest. Um, but kind of along the lines of what you you both were just talking about, when you have somebody that has maybe played golf for many many years, but sort of, uh, um, you know, just hasn't had a really uh, enjoyable experience, or maybe they're just you know played good re- at one point earlier in their in their life, but now they're they're sort of on the back end and they're just not playing well. Um, and are almost to the point of giving up. What's the conversation you're going to have, Louise? Yeah, that's it. That's great. Um, and I think that's a that's a real issue for a lot of people where you know they played at a high level and they've either had injuries or they're older or just time gets away from them and they they get away from the game and then they try to come back and expect to be where they were before. Mm-hmm. So I think just you know you've really got to to get to the reason, like, what's their why? Why do you want to stay in the game? And then try to foster that. Um, and, you know, if they really are trying to get back to where they were before, then you really, I think you just need to be real honest and break it down for them and say, look, it, you can do it. Here's the work you're going to have to put in, and are you going to have time, and are you willing to do that? You know, and then whatever their answer is, that's kind of the fork in the road on which direction for me as a teacher I go in. You know, but you've got to find out really why they're in the game, why they want to stay in the game, why is it important to them, and then really make sure that that becomes a high priority when you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Cindy, let me just ask the same thing for you, but from a different perspective, because Louise brings <clears throat> up a very good point. I mean, you know, when you're a little bit younger and, and whatnot, you know, maybe you got to the level of, of even being a scratch golfer fast forward it now your 70s maybe 80s that's not realistic in most i mean it would be very very unusual for somebody to be at that level at that point um but in their mind they still see themselves as a scratch player does it now become an acceptance that it's okay you're not going to be as good as you were 30 40 years ago but you can still get out there and be competitive and and have some fun what 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 do you see as as a conversation you're going to have with that student well, what the first thing I would ask him was, what tees are you playing? So in right. my opinion, you know, again, the, right. the U.S. Kids Golf event, you know, I've got a seven-year-old that played in her first tournament this week that shot 52 and an eight-year-old that shot 43. And the mission of U.S. Kids is to allow everybody to hit every green. So if you're mm-hmm. 70 and you only hit it, you know, 180 yards, and you used to be scratch and hit it 275, then you should play up tees, and if you can reach the greens, you could still be scratch, right? Yep. If, yep. if you're able to swing. So that's my first comeback is what tees are you playing? Because when we grew up, or when I grew up, I shouldn't talk on because I'm older than both of you, but, um, you know, you were always playing tees that were so long that, you know, yeah. 53 from the from the ladies' tees when you're seven is really good, right? right? You know, because you can't reach the greens. Par is 45 or 54. So if you're mm-hmm. playing the right tees, you should be able to shoot even par. 
because you can reach the green. So now you're always looking forward to breaking par. I mean, let's just go back to Sarah White. Sarah White just said she hits it. She flies at 275. Her ball speed's 161. Well, PGA Tour players' ball speeds are 181. So, I mean, she's like playing baby tees. It's like stealing candy from a baby. If she doesn't birdie every par five, something's wrong, right? She should be able to reach every par five and two if she hits at 300 yards. So that would be like Louise and I playing in the ladies' club championship from 5,000 yards. Yeah, it's baby. Like, bring it. Let's go. You know, bring it. Let's go. go. <laughs> yeah, but it, you know, they're making us play from sixty-one hundred yards, and we're like, oh my god, the driver three yeah. wood wedge. You know? Driver three wood. So driver, again, driver, driver. <laughs> right. So again, it all depends on the team team markers. So I believe the way to keep people in the game is to shorten the tees as you get older. Again, yeah, you know, I, I play on the Legends Tour against Laura Davies. Okay, that's like David and Goliath, <laughs> right? Give me a break. She's going to outdrive me by 100 yards. And that, and that comes to yeah. the point where, Cindy, it's time to look in the mirror. You're not good enough. Well, you know, I'm 10 years older than her. Move me up. I mean, yep. she's right. going to get you know, pissed, there, right? There's a, I'll tell you a funny, quick little story about my dad, um, you know, who taught me the game. He, you know, all of a sudden it seems like men kind of, all of a sudden they just lose that power. My dad was a very strong athletic guy, but arthritis, you know, worked seven days a week his mm-hmm. whole life. He gets to be about 70, and he comes to visit me one time in Tennessee, and he's still got his stiff steel-shafted irons that he bought when he was 50. I'm like, Dad, do you want to get yep. your clubs reshafted? You know, because we had a great club guy that's the place I was working. And um, he's like, oh, I don't know. He goes, well, you know, I just don't hit it that far anymore. I'm like, Dad, let's get your clubs reshafted. You know, so, so we did, and we went to graphite, lightweight, you know, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, his ball's in the air again. He has moved up a tee. That took forever to convince him, to your point, Cindy, to finally move up to the next set of tees. Don't go all the way to the forward, but go one back from the forward got the new shafts, very first round of golf. We go out, we play with these clubs. He makes a freaking hole-in-one, his first one of his life after 50 <laughs> years of golf. I'm like, I'm like, you're welcome, Dad. You know, oh, my God, it was awesome. But, you know, equipment matters, moving up matters, all of that yeah. matters. So Exactly. Crazy. And you can well, play forever as long as you can move. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean, I've seen people play in their 90s. Um, they don't hit it as far as they once did. Um, they may struggle at times to even break a hundred, but um, you know they're they're able to have fun. They enjoy it because they're realistic. You know that's the other thing too is you have to be real ex- uh, realistic and and have reasonable expectations. Um, you know, given the circumstance. Yeah. And that, as Cindy's point, you know, if you're moving up and and in your point, you know, making adjustments to your equipment. Um, you may not necessarily shoot what you once did, but you're going to be a lot closer than you were if you just go out there and play with the same equipment you've had for 25 years and you're playing from the back championship tees, um, you know, that you were doing when you were 22 and you're now 72. <laughs> right. it, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and that's part of the problem. That's why you see, I think, a lot of frustration. And again, to your point, Louise, uh, particularly with men, because they're, they equate their game with power and suddenly they don't have that power right. anymore. They don't know what to do right. to change it. And they get frustrated and, you know, from a player that maybe played two or three times a week, um, now is lucky if they play once a month because they're just frustrated. They're just yeah. not happy with their game. And, you know, now they're, you know, in the old lazy boy chair and they're just not getting out. And, you know, you've got three inches of dust on their golf clubs in the garage. So, um, yeah, yeah, you got to make some changes. you got to be willing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We um, all know how we gotta wrap that up, is but... just to keep moving. Okay. Right, exactly. we got to wrap up, but very quickly, since you now changed venues, uh, why don't you let the folks know the best way they can reach out to you now and, and where you're currently working out of. Okay, great. Terrific. So all my contact information is the same, my email and my phone number. I am at Dead Horse Lake Golf Club, and it's in West Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, everybody's welcome there. So we got a terrific driving range and a beautiful golf course and great prices. So come on down. Perfect. Awesome. Exactly. Thank well, you, we, my dear. Yeah, All right, thank you, you very much for joining us this morning.
All right, you too. All right, you guys have a good day. You too, too. honey. All right, that was Louise Ball and uh, up in Tennessee. Uh, sounds like she's really enjoying her her new venue and and um, and just doing a lot of the stuff that she enjoys doing. And that's of course out there teaching with uh, with all of the uh, new folks, if you will, at her new uh, uh, venue. And uh, definitely need to get in touch with her if you're up in the Tennessee area or planning a trip through there. Uh, you'll get some good uh, good instruction. All right. Um, Thanks again to our our special guests, and we will see you next week here on the Women of Golf Show. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.